A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. My name's David Savage and I have an as yet undiagnosed liver condition. I also happen to really like running very long distances. As a consequence, I wanted to find other people who had health conditions but also loved sport. And the Chronically Fit Show is what happened. Has fallen away And in those times A shadowy hills to climb Hold out your hand to mine just over a year ago, Sabella Davis was on SAS Who Dares Wins, a show for the very toughest of health and fitness enthusiasts when she was diagnosed with systemic lupus. A number of things began to fall into place in terms of how she'd been feeling for many years, but this is the story about how she's dealt with that since and the effect that it's had on her thinking and her approach to her health. So today I'm chatting to Sabella Davis. Thanks for taking the time to, uh, to join me on the pod. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Enjoying the joys of lockdown? Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> I feel like I'm in a cocoon. <laughs> Whereabouts in the UK are you? You're, you're in the Midlands, right? Yes, I'm currently in the West Midlands in Birmingham. Cool. Um, how, just out of interest, before we get into any kind of details, obviously you're a fitness enthusiast. How, how have you been exercising during lockdown? Have you got, I'm assuming you've got equipment at home or are you... Have you been turning to new to new forms of fitness that you hadn't really explored before? Yeah, um, I've got I've got a few bits and pieces around the house. Um, don't have any weights, unfortunately, um, just the old resistance bands. Um, but I've taken to running. I wasn't really much of a runner. I was in my earlier years, if that even counts. <laughs> Telling people I used to do cross country, but I was probably thirteen. Doesn't really count. Uh, but yeah, I've been I've taken up running so that's been that's been really really great actually it's funny isn't it it seems to be i've been chatting to a few friends and and, and everyone who who normally goes to a gym or does whatever is suddenly kind of exploring running or getting into cycling or trying yoga or whatever else and just doing whatever yeah. they can but it might be it might be really quite beneficial people will get whole new routines off the back of it yeah exactly i i think it's a win-win really so look um you, we, we've asked you to come on the show because you've got a diagnosis of systemic lupus, which is a reasonably new diagnosis just a year ago. And I mean, you, you are uh, definitely in, in the kind of the, the elite category of fitness. You were on SAS Who Dares Wins just about 18 months ago. So that should give people an understanding of just the level of fitness that we're talking about. It's, it's not just kind of, yeah, you go to the gym occasionally. Yeah, I was at my, I would say my peak physical um, level at that point of filming. So yeah, it was definitely um, a hit in the stomach to get a sudden diagnose, diagnosis a few weeks later after the show. So 
Yeah. How did you, how did that happen? Because I assume there were symptoms or there was a feeling or something even then when you're at your absolute peak, as you, as you put it, where you kind of thought, hang on a minute, things aren't quite right. Mm. Yeah. No, it was. Um, I've always, for as long as I can remember, dealt with joint pains. Just these little niggles from a young age, I would complain that my my elbows would be hurting, my knees would be hurting. So having blood tests was a very common thing in my life, but they could never pinpoint what it is. They would say we could see that there's inflammation in your blood, but nothing that was too high. Um, so, yeah, before the show... Um, they asked me, do you have any health condition? I said, no, but I do experience joint pains. And that was fine. So I, I passed the test. So yeah, it wasn't wasn't anything that was too worrying at the time. I was used to it, mm-hmm. let's say. So what what caused the acceleration from, no, I haven't got any health conditions to, no, actually, here's a diagnosis? Because there was something must have changed to go from years of blood tests and, and a low level of inflammation to where you are now. physical stress emotional stress I do believe that being on that show because it is so physically and mentally demanding like it's it's no joke it really is exactly what it says on the tin it's the SAS um, recruitment selection process so we will put through it and we were starved and sleep deprived. And I think that sort of stress is something I've never been under before. And I think that's what did it. it um, yeah. As soon as that show was over, I was unwell. Just boom, it hit me. And it was one of the reasons why I actually tapped out of the show. Um, obviously, they make it look a certain way. But I was experiencing so much physical pain that I had to I had to duck out and then yeah it just snowballed in a way is that a bit of a blessing in disguise obviously it's not great that you put yourself in a position with an unknown well with 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 an undiagnosed condition where you felt in severe pain and chronically fatigued but I suppose if you hadn't gone through that you might not have got the diagnosis and now you're probably exercising and training in a way that actually complements it rather than hitting your head up against a brick wall without really knowing about it yeah exactly I feel like um it was something that's it's been bubbling under the surface for so long and when you are constantly complaining of you know um your health you can feel that you're not believed or nobody understands so to have that diagnosis it's like okay right now I know what to do like you say I I, I know where to to step back push a little bit further explore a bit more about um, my body and I would say yes it is a blessing and I've not rude the day that I found out that I've got lupus um it was really really traumatic it was really horrible I was really Mm. afraid but I'm coming through it and um I'm just yeah I'm just happy to still be alive at the end of the day yeah look let's rewind it back I mean you joked um you mentioned that you used to do cross country when you were like 13 years old you said well that doesn't really count as running right but um (laughs) 
Where did that where did that love of sport or fitness come from? Was it was it kind of your parents? Or was it was it friends? Was it just something that you've always been into? I feel like it's something that I've always kind of um I've always been active. I've always been an outdoorsy person. Like I've done the most extreme sports, hang gliding, bungee, bungee jumping, <laughs> skydiving, you name it, I've done it. Or if I haven't done it, I will do it. So I love the thrill of what can I do? What can I put my body through? What mentally am I willing to um, experience? So um I wouldn't say that fitness and training is something that I I was intentional about. It just was a part of me, just being out, you know, being outdoors. But it wasn't until I um, was dealing with mental health issues that I really did. I was more intentional about training and how it made me feel good mentally. And that's what keeps me going. Yeah, you mentioned there that that's what keeps you going was it was that always your motivation because because different mo, diff, there are different things that motivate different people to exercise for me initially getting into it was because i signed up for some charity events and realized that the ones i'd i'd signed up for were probably bigger than bigger than i'd realized in terms of <laughs> um i i needed to to start to take it seriously and then i you know it, it's it's been the health and the mental health kind of stuff that's kind of kicked in later but yeah it's I interesting that-, that you mentioned mental health as a motivation yeah, I think that's the evolution of of the self and it's definitely the evolution of myself before it was just kind of a thrill. What can I do? I'm young, I'm wild, whatever. Whereas now it's like, how does this make me feel? <laughs> Without sounding really like floaty about it, like, does this make me feel good? Do I feel like it's help in helping me free my mind? Like, what am I gaining from this it's not just um a physical thing as like you know building muscle aesthetics you know glutes and all of this all of this fanatical stuff that you know that's trending stuff that's happening right Mm -hmm. now it's really about um yeah freeing my mind and distressing look on instagram you're described as a a fitness trainer are you so is are you a PT by profession? Yeah, um, I qualified as a personal trainer at the start of 2019. So, yeah, when I had that dip in my mental health and I found training, like intentional training, I was just overcome with, um, I was so inspired and I just, I just felt like, right, I just need to do that. I just need to do more of that. They feel so good, do more of that. Out of interest, how is it different? I suppose it might be slightly different from kind of training for yourself and training for your own mental health, but then training others and it being a job. I mean, does it? Do you still get the same kind of kick and thrill from helping other people, or is that kind of work? And then you've got your own. I think it does depend on your nature. For me, I'm quite a. Um, I'm a personable person. I really enjoy being around people. I really thrive in you know in within human um, interaction and engaging with people. And I'm I'm an empath. I consider myself to be an empath. So I really feel what people feel. And I really, I take on what people are are going through. So I felt that because I'd have lived experience feeling down, I feel like I could seek that out. And because people helped me at the gym, 
just by conversing with me and I didn't even though I may not have told them what I was going through still having people push you and it was just the whole overall experience it's such a community vibe um in the gym my experiences anyway um that I just wanted to be that that light for other people just to it's not just about the physical like I say it's the mental and I feel like as a personal trainer I'm I'm given an opportunity to ask someone are you okay yeah and really listen mental health is an interesting one because I think there's so many similarities and I've kind of discovered through this series between mental health and and physical health especially when it comes to chronic ill health Mm. and the idea that you know Mental health is is just as real as breaking a leg, but you can't see it. And because you can't see it, people don't Mm. necessarily respond in the same way. And a chronic illness is, again, that similar thing of just because you can't see that someone's unwell doesn't mean that they're not unwell or dealing with something. Has there been some kind of synergy in the the way that you've kind of seen it and I I, I suppose approached it because of that? Because, Because there is that, yeah, all right, you can't see that I'm not well, but this is my reality. Yeah, um... I feel like it's my responsibility just to be um, outspoken about my experiences because, yeah, I look extremely physically fit still and it is it is hard to contend with physical health and mental health as well. And I don't know if I'm answering your question properly. I don't, no, 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 no. I, think, there is, I, I don't think like there's a proper answer. Hey, look, we're talking about stuff that's not necessarily kind of straightforward stuff, are we? So... Mental health and, phys- and, and physical health. I mean, it, it, when you get injured and therefore you go, right, you know, I've pulled a muscle or whatever else or I've broken something, it's easy for people to understand what you're going through because that's an experience that 100% of the population can relate to. But we're talking about, you know, lupus. I'm not sure how many people in the in the tens of thousands have lupus, but you know, chronic health conditions tends to be one in 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 people. And therefore, a vast majority of the population can't relate to the experience that you're going through in the same way that your mental health is something that, okay, People, lots of people might have individual experiences of mental health, but not everybody does. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I would say that before I dealt with mental health, you know, depression and, and anxiety to be specific, I didn't get it. I did not get it. I did not understand the concept of anxiety. I just thought, nah, that can't be real. So I understand the flip side of you know, what are people actually experiencing? Is it really a thing? And when I started to become a personal trainer and I was dealing with people who had um, chronic illnesses and I was undiagnosed at the time, I didn't get it. You know, fibromyalgia, chronic pain, what, really? I didn't didn't really get it. I, I could still, I was still empathetic, but... I was still so far removed, whereas now I think that it, it intertwines. If you've got, you know, like double the the invisible condition, you know, you've got your mental health, you've got your um, chronic, your, your invisible chronic illness, it can really build and become something really quite sinister if you don't have an outlet, if you don't know what your thing is to... Um, to remove yourself from what you're experiencing I feel like you can become so introverted and cause more pain to yourself so I don't know what I'm trying to say here is that 
I feel like I've been on both sides and really, I really can understand what people are going through from so many different angles. And because I know myself and I know what to do to make myself feel better and being a qualified fitness instructor, that helps me. So I feel like I'm lucky in that, in that regard. I mean, I was going to kind of probe a little bit around that, that idea, I suppose, if if you, if you had a client who, who said that they had a chronic illness back at the beginning of 2019 versus now your response might be quite different. And I don't think anyone would, would be surprised if that was the case. It's only natural. Right. But, um, you, you said yourself that you've you you've decided that you want to be an advocate and speak up. Um, how how have you found that experience? Have you have you kind of gone out your way to to kind of interact with with communities or seek out communities, or are you just putting stuff out there and seeing who comes and, and chats to you? I've totally gone out of my way. <laughs> Like, seriously, as soon as they told me, and they told me in such a a very, um, you know, nonchalant, okay, this is what you've got here, take some leaflets, bye now. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, what, am I going to die? So (laughs) I think it's everyone's first thought, doesn't matter what it is, you could have a lesion on your your hand, you're like, oh, my God, am I going to (laughs) die? I just went straight online. I was like, I need yeah. a community right now. I need to understand. I've got questions. So I, it was it was immediate for me. I, I found a Facebook group, which is absolute saving grace. I would encourage anybody to find a group that they feel like they can at least just observe what people are saying because what you're experiencing somebody is experiencing that too and if you feel brave enough you might put a post and you'll get for me I got just a wave of um, messages from what I was going through I jumped onto YouTube I made a video again that's not for everybody but I found it quite cathartic to talk about what I was going through and yeah it just it really helps me in my healing process and for me to understand what I'm going through by seeking out others who are like me yeah which I can understand look I'm doing this podcast as almost a a very similar kind of process right going and finding people with chronic health issues and and talking to them and going oh okay that makes sense um in lockdown there's been an explosion of online trainers on Instagram and sometimes finding those that are qualified and not qualified, and you know, you don't know, you know, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are very well-meaning, but they might just be copying other stuff that they've seen online. And, and there's, yeah. it, it stands to reason given lockdown and everything that we're in. Have you made a concerted effort, I suppose, to, to put stuff out there that might be more suitable for, for the community of, of, of people that you now find yourselves in where, where inflammation is, is an issue, right? Cause one of the things I started looking for was, was workouts where it's like, well, hang on a minute. How do I keep inflammation low? I still want to push myself, but I yeah. know that running to the nth degree isn't necessarily the most sensible thing. No, it's not the most sensible thing, but it's like a, it's like a GP taking their own advice. Do they? Yeah. Probably not. I'm a quali- <laughs> I'm a qualified personal trainer. I've got a chronic illness. Do I take my own advice? Probably not. I mean, I go running and it takes me five days to recover. It's not a good idea. Don't do it. Um, I Yes, I do post videos. I do post um, workouts. 
I, I would like to be more specific about, you know, stretches for people who do have chronic illnesses. It's, it's definitely something I want to do. But I'm a thrill seeker and always have been. So I do often post the stuff that is probably not helpful for people who are like me. I need to stop doing that, but it just feels so good. <laughs> no, but at the same time, that's not a bad thing, right? Because, because yeah. just because someone gets a diagnosis, they don't want to be told that they can't have those adrenaline rush moments, right? Yeah, and and I suppose it's inspiring to show people, look, even, yeah, it's going to take me a few days to recover. I'm not going to recover like I used to, but I can still mm. do it and I'm still willing to put myself there in that position. I'm still willing to train hard um, and then to reel it back and take care of myself afterwards. So it's not always, is it is it better to show people that, they should just stay at one level or to push themselves, you know, it's just to try to find that balance. So look, I mean, your lupus um, diagnosis, as you said, was, was almost exactly a year ago and you've gone through that mental process of trying to work out how you feel about it and then how you respond to it. If you were talking to someone who was you a year ago, who just got that diagnosis, what advice would you give them having having those 12 months to, to reflect on? I don't know. It's really hard because I feel like... Um, I think that to, to not be too extreme about it, I think it's so easy to go online and be like, right, I need to cut out this and this. I need to try only greens. I need to do things like that. I think just take it in your stride is really important. Definitely definitely learn about what specific foods are going to increase inflammation in your blood. Um, so, yeah, just wise things like that um, and just oh, self-care is so important. Self-care, like self-massaging is something that people – don't really do often and should I feel like it really helps me so just finding a routine in the mornings and in the evenings that's going to help you mentally re relax reconnect with your body um learn to love your body even though okay it feels like you know it's glitching <laughs> for want of a better word but if you think that if it's glitching in this one area that feels like it's everything your mm. body is still working so hard to keep you alive and that is a really important thing to remind ourselves that our body is working to keep you blinking talking walking eating swallowing digesting everything and this is one thing it feels so big, but it is just one thing, one part of us um, that's just a bit confused. <laughs> yeah. And look, yeah. you know, it's, it's been a, an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And I think it's a really inspiring thing as well that you might not have had the diagnosis, but you were fit enough to go on SAS Who Dares Wins and, and keep up with a whole load of people without a chronic condition. You still yeah. had it. You might not have had the diagnosis, but it, to know. anybody else... Who's, who has lupus or any other any other ailment for that matter you know well christ you can get to that fitness level with or without it exactly yeah i think that the ignorance of it 
was bliss and <laughs> nobody can take that achievement away from me even though if you watch it you might blink and miss me but I was definitely there um and it was yeah just um, an amazing experience and yeah. um yeah I'm happy well, look, with thank it. you thank you for your time uh enjoy your running don't do too thank much you. of it it's gonna <laughs> nap you. and uh fingers crossed we'll be out of lockdown before long yes Medical condition or not, SAS Who Dares Wins looks stupid. I'll just say that. I've watched it a few times. I don't watch it very often, but I, I've sat there and gone, why would you do that to yourself? I had to Google it. I'm really sorry. I hadn't actually watched it. So I was like, oh, this is a celebrity off a show that I haven't seen. So I need to go and Google no, it. No, no, it, looks, no. it looks ridiculous. So they, they, they have a celebrity version. It's it's like, you know, it's it's like any of these reality shows. There's There's, there's the normal people. In normal in the loosest sense yeah. and then there's the celebrities uh but yeah i like hats off to anyone who does it and funnily enough um sabella was in a show was was in the same series as someone called kirsty handy who i also know through work from a few years ago so just random coincidence but yeah i know i know because i've followed kirsty for, for a number of years on, on her fitness journey and she is just tough tough mentally and tough physically so anyone who gets to that kind of level hats off um does beg the question sabella didn't know she had lupus until she pushed herself to that degree is there an element that because she was so fit it just masked what was going on and doctors weren't able to pick it up sooner because her, her systemic lupus wasn't picked up till her, till her mid early to mid thirties. I, it's a really tricky question, right? Because every, every person's story as we've been speaking about is so individual and sometimes like I like I don't know you know like it might be that she was really fit and she didn't have the symptoms but there's also a chance that you know maybe like I don't, I don't know like there are just so many different things around it maybe that she was choosing not to as well sometimes we know, kind of know something's wrong but we don't really want to know that it's wrong and so mm. there's loads of different things that could have been happening but I don't know because I'm not her but I what I do think is is incredible to hear how she was strong enough to notice at that point that she needed to take a step back and she yeah. needs to look after herself, which I think, regardless of any of the other, this is the most important strength: is knowing yourself to look after yourself, and that is incredible. Yes, because I mean, I, I imagine the peer pressure and, and having had the motivation and determination to get yourself to the point that you're fit enough to go on that show, to then walk away and go, no, actually, something's going on here, and I and I need to be sensible is an incredible kind of. Well, that takes real strength. Yeah. Stronger than um, any other thing. Like you could get physically strong, but I mean, to be able to do that, you know, in, in, with an audience of that size as well, it's just, I mean, I, I have so much admiration. I suppose one of the things that's quite interesting um, about Sabella that's a little bit different to a lot of the people that we've had on the show, many of the people... Last week, Bruce, if we think about the first series when we had someone like Devon, you know, really physically fit, but had dealt with health conditions from an early age. Um, same with Michael McKillop. 
um, you know, cerebral palsy from a child, had, had kind of had that adversity but was pushing themselves through it. Here's someone who didn't know that they had a chronic health condition and has adapted and had that moment of, oh, God, am I going to die? Which is kind of the normal thing when you when you probably feel invincible. You know, you are you are fitter than 99.9% of people out there. You are fitter than all of your friends. You are able to push yourself further. And all of a sudden you're told, actually, no, you're vulnerable. Mm. And what does she say she does? She, you know, it's you become kind of, you remember you're human again. It's kind of, you feel yeah. that human sense of you need the community. You need to find people that will understand what's going on. You, you, we're not invincible. We are human and each and every single one of us are. And, and we kind of always, you know, I, like I'm, I'm speaking for the whole world right now, but we, we all get caught up in our own bubbles and we think that that little bubble is exactly the most important thing in the whole entire world, right? And then mm. when something happens which pops the bubble and you remember, oh gosh, you know, we're all extremely vulnerable, flimsy creatures that, you know, you know, could get wiped out like the dinosaurs did. It, it kind of it smacks you in the face and then you're like, next step community and let's let's connect together and i think that that really shined in what she said because that's exactly what she did is the sense of you know my bubbles popped i need to find people that i can that i can do this with and i love the fact that it's making her reassess not not her love affair with fitness but reassess that relationship at least with it in as much as how how she achieves her goals or what her goals are or the types of people that she can help and her perspective and understanding around it, which, you know, she, she, I think she describes herself as, you know, your typical gym rat up until that point and probably was very kind of, well, no, you just, you just, you just go as hard as you can. And, and if you can't get there, then it's because you're not pushing yourself. And now, oh, hang on a minute. Actually, there's a whole, there's a, there's a much rounder, bigger picture here going on informed obviously by what's happened to her to her health since that diagnosis and it's a privilege to be able to push yourself I do really yeah. really think that it's a it's a privilege to be able to be in that position and to be able to take a step back and go you know what everyone might not be able to I think that's I think it's fantastic and even when she was saying you know that she went onto these community groups and she was just observing because she had to hear other people's stories and and you know and for the first time, it was like looking into these forums, which she'd never looked at before. But that yeah. was her way of learning and connecting to a new condition and a new way of, essentially of life. Out of interest, I mean, lupus lupus has gained a bit more uh, attention recently, hasn't it? Because um, one of the Strictly professionals, Amy Downden, has, has lupus. Um, is it, I mean, how... Is it, is it something that you've learned much about when you're studying medicine or is it again one of those things that's that's kind of left to to to, to a specialist or specialization further down the track so I think I actually learned more about lupus from like magazines and like celebrities really? that got it than actually from medical school because that's what stuck right like hearing people's stories that were celebrities that got lupus and th th these are things that stick in your head I don't know like I mean I'm making my degree sound like really silly but like I honestly no, think, I don't think so. real, real life stories are the things for me that that really stuck so I mean yeah you get taught about you get taught about pretty much everything at med school but I don't think it's until you see an actual case 
that it really sticks about what it means. And once you realize what it means to be a patient with that condition, then you get it. Until then, it's just uh, something you've written and read about, right? So this that's interesting, right? Because um, one of my sister's friends is uh, a doctor. She specialized in palliative care. Um, but I had gastritis maybe six years ago. And my God, gastritis hurts. Yeah. Like, it really hurts. But a lot of the doctors will tell you that it's like, oh, it's not too bad. Just take some kind of indigestive <laughs> tablets or whatever else. Go, yeah, you're fine. It's just gastritis. And and Anna, my sister's friend, said that she was she was um, complicit of exactly the same thing until she had it and was like, oh, my God, it can be like having a heart attack. <laughs> and at, then, then at that point, she was like, oh, right, okay, maybe I'll talk to people a little bit differently when they kind of complain that they've got gastritis. Yeah. Here's that thing, I suppose, until you've had some of these things, until you've until you've been in the shoes of someone who's going through a particular condition or, 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 or whatever else experience, it is really hard to walk in those shoes. i tell you one thing that I learned, right, is, well, I've learned many things in my youth, but <laughs> one of the things that I learned was, we tell patients to relax and sleep. Like like we heard on this podcast episode, right? Relaxing is one of the most important things. Do you know how difficult it is to sleep in a hospital? You know, it, it, <laughs> it's so difficult. You've got machines buzzing, people snoring. It's an open ward, you know, like it's so, it's smelly. Then every four hours, come, someone is coming and pressing something on your arm to check the blood pressure. Like they're waking you up to give you your meds. Like you can't sleep. There's no sleep. So you think that you've got a patient who has like a really serious condition. They're in hospital for weeks on end. They're not getting any good sleep for that whole time, right? Because they're getting disturbed constantly. Yeah, and if thankfully, it's not you, it's someone else down in the ward, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, thankfully, I've never had to spend a night in hospital. I, I feel blessed on that front, but I've had to spend several hours at a time, long hours in hospital uh, post procedure, and it's just like you know, you try and roll over and you forget you've got a cannula in your hand. Yeah, <laughs> and you're honestly. like, ow. Well, this is what they said. They said to us at med school, and I mean, like they said, you will until you've done a night in the hospital as a patient, you, you're not going to be able to empathise in the same way because you come in in the morning and you do the ward round and you're like, you know, how's everything going? And it's like, like this patient hasn't slept, and now they've been waiting for you to come around. They haven't gone to the toilet because they want to be here when you come around for five minutes, right? Like. And <laughs> desperate for you to tell them some information they've got their you know their whole family on the phone waiting for an update and all of this is happening but you just see them for like 10 seconds you're yeah. in you're out all around gone so I think is I and I and I love this because what she's done in this podcast episode is she said you know this is hard this is hard you've got to learn to love your new body you know what she's the word like glitching and and she she you know she's saying all of these really interesting terminology and and explaining how you know it is a change and that is okay but this whole new world is so difficult to learn and i wish that we didn't yeah. have to rely on facebook for this yeah yeah although kudos there i yeah, i haven't been on facebook in years maybe i should maybe i should check out facebook communities more they're obviously good places uh despite all the other rubbish that you find there um 
Marla, thanks for taking some time to join me. Sabella, thank you for being our guest. Next week's guest is Alex Flynn, who is someone who's been described by Sir Ronald Fiennes as seriously hard uh, and also has Parkinson's. So that's worth listening to. But until then, thank you. And if all the nights close in, there's warmth and hope within. And if all the nights close in, 